Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Jason Kelsey is the epitome of a leader. I mean... Let me clear these notifications. I got him as my uh, screensaver, as, as Fat Batman. Yeah, that's how much of an inspiration he is to me, man. Uh, Mom probably likes Travis more. She keeps trying to hedge her bet and say she likes me now because I have kids. And that's a good way I've kind of leveled the playing field with Trav. But um, the baby always gets the love from Mom. Yeah. My punter, Tommy Townsend, talked the most trash. I swear to y'all. If he say he don't, I don't know. I don't want to call him a lion man, but... Tommy Townsend talk trash, y'all. Andy Reid has the best impression of my voice. Um, he doesn't do it in front of a lot of people, thank- thankfully, but Andy Reid for sure has the best impression of my voice. Yeah, you got to let the voice crack just a little bit, but he's got a one, you know, that's a unique voice he has. Very unique. I know what the next question is. Am I going to do it? I'm not doing it. You got you to have it, like, right here. And it's not, most people think it's right here. It's, like, in the pits. <laughs> you got to love this. What, Andy? That was Monday night, opening night for Super Bowl 57. The various sights and sounds from that. You'll hear plenty of sounds and see plenty of sights over the next two hours on PFT Live. Peter King joins us right out of the gates. He's Chris Sims. I'm Mike Florio. We're live on Peacock. We are live on Sirius XM 85, and we are live in London and elsewhere in the UK and Ireland on Sky Sports NFL. So no swearing, Peter King. I know you, you have a love now. all this London stuff, don't I you? I do. You we need love to go it. to London. It's You know what it is? It is you need to go to a game next year and do your show live. You do your show all week live in London yeah. or in Frankfurt. How yeah. about Frankfurt? I'll, I, you just go and I'll How about being a Frankfurter? I want to start in London and then work my way to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> he's, already, he's already ruined himself here in America. They don't like him, so he's working on London now. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's the thing. We have, and first of all, there are 
an amazing number of very passionate NFL oh, fans unbelievable. in the UK, throughout yeah. Europe, but especially the folks who watch on Sky. And I hear from them more than I hear from the people in the United States. Yes. They, they love what we do. They love our style. They love the fact that we're always looking to peel through the BS. That just fits with the mentality. Maybe I missed my calling. Maybe when my family left Italy, they should have stopped in England. Now, listen, I am dead serious, Mike. I'm dead serious. You need to go over for a game next year for a week and do shows. I'm telling you, you'll be treated like Paul McCartney coming to New York in 1964. Wait, when did he get arrested for carrying marijuana? Was that in Japan at some point? Because that would that be Paul McCartney yeah. did reefer? Oh, yes. Well, what a shock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that there's gambling going on in this establishment. All right. Uh, by the way, is this a must-win show? That was my question. Yes, yeah, so. That was kind of a yeah. stupid what question. Huh? I yeah. know. He I could have had so much fun with that. I guess I respect his restraint. All he says is yes <laughs> and moves on. But when Nick Sirianni gets asked that question, he also got asked which player would he not let date his daughter, and the response was, my daughter's five. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's also kind of, yes, that's, that, that's a little gross. All right, all right wait, well, let me tell you the other thing I want to like. Uh, I, I, I like the media night, all of that. I don't know if I necessarily like with the the teams being together so much or whatever. I don't know. I want the Super Bowl. I want the teams to kind of you hate, want the each, teams other to hate each other. Yeah. I, I don't want yeah. us to be like, oh, let's get together and enjoy the Super Bowl together and we'll have a nice interview and it's a three way and you know, you tell me about your team. I, I don't know. There's a part of me that's just like I, I I don't want enemy lines crossed until Sunday at six thirty Eastern. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Uh I'll tell you, I think the one difference in the, Chris, I think there are two differences in this game. Yeah. Number one, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, the first two black quarterbacks sure. ever to face each other. Yep. That's history. I like the fact that they both are really into that and it means something to them. And the other thing is the Kelsey brothers. I mean, I just that's kind of a cool thing because, you know, honestly, this year has convinced me that not only are they together in the Super Bowl, one day they will be together in the August Halls of Canton, Ohio with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. It they would will. be great, too, if their retirement's lined up oh, and they get in beautiful, the same beautiful. year. I don't think but, it's going to happen. But no. you know what, Mike? I'll tell you this, because I, I've talked to uh, Jason about this, but I think that Travis Kelsey's got a heck of a shot to go in on first ballot. Right. I don't know that Jason is going to Well, then go maybe it can line ballot. up. Then maybe it can line That's up. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point. If, if, if Jason retires this year and Travis retires in three years, who knows? Maybe it could. We'll see. So but we'll, there's also something to be said for each guy having his own weekend because yeah. it becomes a full family celebration I said to, twice I said of once. To, I said to Jason, I said, can you imagine what Cleveland Heights, Ohio would be like? It's only 35 miles from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, their hometown where they grew up. Can you imagine the celebration, not just in Canton, but all of Cleveland would come? It, it'd, just be, it'd just be a really cool thing. I, I really would love to see it happen. All right. Yeah. Give us your little breakdown of the game a little bit, or just like, you know, what's intriguing to you about the matchup here? I mean, I, I gotta, we're going to pepper you with questions okay, there. Okay, so, but. Chris, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad I'm doing this because you especially would, I think, appreciate this being a former quarterback. The fact that in the last three games that the Philadelphia Eagles have played against very good defensive fronts, right. San Francisco in the playoffs, the Giants in the playoffs, and Dallas down the stretch of the regular season on yeah. Christmas Eve, right. okay, those are the last three 
very good defensive fronts that right. they've played. Right. In those 12 quarters, the defensive lines for those three, game, those three teams, 12 quarters, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits. Yeah. And so that tells me this about, uh, about the Philadelphia offensive line. Not only might it be the best offensive line of this generation, mm-hmm. but I wonder if you're not going to be able to get to Jalen Hurts and perhaps his wounded shoulder, right. you know, if you're not going to be able to get to him, how in the world are you going to be able to affect the game? And as great as Chris Jones is, Frank Clark, you know, George Karloftis, they've gotten a lot from lately. I mean, nobody else is getting to him. How are you getting to him? And that is a huge factor in this yeah, game. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to get to him totally. I think what you got to do more than anything is try to kind of take away some of the answers of the offense and then, you know, maybe make him more of a pocket-passing quarterback than Philadelphia or him would like. And then they're going to have to try to find some creative ways to get pressure. You're right. They're not going to be able to just go, oh, our front four, like we've talked about with other great Super Bowl matchups, is just going to get there against this group. This offensive line, like you just said, it's the best in football. It's literally like they can go on drives where you go, they just ran the ball 14 times in a row and went down and ran for a touchdown. Like, it's insane what by, they can do. By the end of this season, right. I was thinking Dexter Lawrence – is an absolute first-team All-Pro. I love this guy. And how is it possible that he does not get one sniff of the quarterback for the first time all year? It was his first time all year without a pressure, a hit, or a sack in a football game, and it was the biggest game of the year. That just tells me an awful lot about how good and how impenetrable that Philadelphia line is. I'll just say this to you there. just The the Giants' D-line, I don't think I'm going to put in a top-tier D-line conversation, right? I mean, uh, you said the the Cowboys and the 49ers, surely I'd put them there. you know. And I would have liked to have seen how that game shook out a little with the 49ers. You know, not that I'm going to say they would have got a lot of sacks, but I think we could have got to a point there, and we saw it a little. You think it might have been a different game if it were more competitive. Exactly. Yeah. I think I don't. You know, I think that <coughs> Philadelphia might have finally been forced into, wait, we don't have the perfect player, the perfect answer all the time here. But because then they can kind of, like, take the foot off the gas pedal, wait, we don't need to be too aggressive, let's just run the ball, control the clock, we'll get the ball back in four plays because they're going to go three and out, and they just slowly wore them down. But, yeah, Spagnuolo is going to have to come up with a, a, a pretty special game plan. Can I give – and Spagnola has yeah. done that I know before he has. against right. the New England Patriots, right. the 18-0 and Patriots. Here's my one other factor in this game that I really am interested in. Yeah. I think that Patrick Mahomes – he has the will of Tom Brady. Tom Brady is retired, and he's passed down his will, basically, and his stick to his never-say-dyness, blah, 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 yeah. to Mahomes. And right. Mahomes is, you know, leads the world in that now. But my question is, I was standing outside the Kansas City locker room when they were going back and forth out to the field at the AFC Championship game for the celebration. Right. Mike, I... I I, I don't know. We may I forget if we talked about this or not. But watching Juju Smith-Schuster and watching some of those skill players, Juju Smith-Schuster looked like one of those guys who was coming off a Revolutionary War battlefield. I mean, he had, he was helped by two people. You know, he's limping terribly, and I just said, "Man, they good thing they got a week off and they can and they can get ready to go." But I don't know how Mahomes, especially against a superb 
defensive front like Philadelphia has, I don't know how Mahomes is going to be able to make enough plays in this game. Maybe he will, but... You know, to me, the best bet, the easiest bet, whatever, and so, of course, I'll be wrong, is Travis Kelsey, whatever the over-under on his yardage is, take the over. I mean, you know, because he is the guy who he has to find. But the beauty of what the Chiefs have done this year, and this is something Chris mentioned yesterday from his interview with Andy Reid before the divisional round game, the idea that Patrick Mahomes was fully dialed in throughout the offseason with all of his yeah. receivers, top to bottom, and comparing notes with Hey, Andy Mike, Reed, by the way, how does that compare done. to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but look at what happens when you get to the point where you're emptying the bench because your guys are injured. He has no hesitation to trust whoever is out there. I understand, but you know what? Marcus Kemp is another thing. I don't, and I'm not being negative about you know the last guy in your receiver group, but you know he he got he got all these guys Marquez Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith Schuster and Sky Moore. He got them all up to speed, and now you add Kadarius Tony. Worked a lot on him and all that stuff, but I don't know, Mike. How far down can you go? Uh, before it really starts to affect what you can do in the Well, it was two game. weeks ago, so we'll see yeah. where they're at, right? Yeah. We know, I mean, like you say all the time, these are young guys yeah. with super Incredible. healing powers, right? And Tony's got, already said he's going to play. Right. And I think Juju's going to play. Right. The only one that's out is Nicole Hardman. He's on IR. He's on IR. Yeah. So, I mean, you, your point's real. They need those guys, maybe not to be 100%, but at least close to it. They're yeah. playing a great defense, you know. We are Andy Reid with two weeks off. I'm sure he's going to have some things that will give them a problem. The other thing, too, is yeah, I, I think this is one of the better pass-protecting O-lines in football, too. Yeah. Let alone with Andy Reid and his offensive line expertise and background. I have a hard time thinking the Eagles' D-line will dominate maybe as much as they've done to other football teams against good this point. group. Good point. Very right? good point. So that's where Andy Reid is special. He is special, right. And yeah. Mahomes has gotten better at the pocket, get the ball out of my hand, let me not hold and be greedy, waiting for Tyree Kill. So to your point, like the Eagles are, are better, as we've talked about the last two days. But I, you know, not by so much so that to the new guy with yeah. all the willpower, you yeah. know, a few plays and things like that can – even the scales or yeah. maybe even tip them in their favors. Like, I would sit here and go, as I, as I told you, the 49ers, I think, were better than the Chiefs a few years ago. I do. I think the 49ers were better. And we wondered in that game, wait, are the Chiefs going to be able to stop the 49ers run game and do all that, right? That great offensive line with the 49ers. That's the one thing that I think gets a little bit swept under the rug with the Chiefs is they're a little more physical than people give them credit for. And that's, yeah. that's where I'm intrigued yeah. by the game. You started a great tradition four years ago, the early morning ride to work yeah. with one of the two coaches from <laughs> so the game. Really I cool. want to peel back the curtain. How do you pull that off? And do you ever have to choose between one or the other? Yes. Um, the first time I did it was pretty easy. Uh, it was Doug Peterson versus Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick hasn't talked you to me that in 16 years. <laughs> so obviously, the, it's, it's like a you can hitchhike show. on the side of the road. That's how you can get to the facility, it's Peter. A, yeah. <laughs> but, but, Mike, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I was so glad when, you know, our producer extraordinaire, Matt Casey, asked me to go to the Giants-Eagles game in the playoffs because I knew that I wanted after the game, I figured the Eagles would win. And I knew after the game, 
with no PR guy around that I was going to ask Nick Sirianni if I could do this. Right. And I knew that it's kind of hard to say no. <laughs> you put the pressure on right him. Yeah. Yeah, I said, hey, right. I got this kind of tradition that I do. And he goes, yeah, I remember you did it with Doug Peterson. I remember that. And so he said, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. So it's not always – it isn't as hard as you think, Mike. Like, You're in their driveway? Like what? I was waiting – Outside, I mean, remember Saturday morning? Yeah. It was really cold in the east. Right. You know, so it was four degrees, right. whatever it was, wind chill, but it was four degrees. And he said, I'll be out there at, uh, at 6 o'clock. So I had a car there, and the car dropped me. And so I'm just standing there, and here he comes at 557. So it was perfect. Got in the car. We, we went to the office. The amazing thing about this one, you just can't make this up. Five years ago, I did the exact same thing with Doug Peterson. Would you believe it? His parking space, being the head coach, is the best parking space there. It's the closest one to the door. Doug Peterson backed into his parking space, and we took like 15 more minutes to talk the day I was there. Nick Sirianni backs into his parking space, and we, we took another 5, 10 minutes. But... What was so interesting is that right across the way, across the parking lot, is the spot for Jeff Stoutland, the offensive coach, run game coordinator. Five years ago, he came in like right after uh, Doug Peterson, and he walks by and he says, good morning, coach. And this time, the exact same thing happened. That's he crazy. parks <laughs> and he waves, and I, told, I couldn't believe it. And I told uh, Sirianni, and Sirianni said, he said, hey, hope that's a good omen. Uh, but <laughs> here was the one thing. Here's the one thing. Yeah, give me the under-the-hood look of Nick Sirianni. Can I, yeah. can I just tell you yeah. what interests me a lot, yeah. Chris? right. Okay, so he played high school football for his dad. Right. Small high school, Jamestown, New York. Absolute western part of New York State. Town of 28,000. It's where Roger Goodell's from. Where Lucille Ball is from. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so he's in the, in the small town, and then he decides he's an undersized receiver, and he wants to go play college football. He goes to Mount Union to this national Division three power. While he was there, in the four years he was there, they won three national championships. In one of the national title games, he had three touchdown catches, and they beat Bridgewater State. And so he all of this stuff. But, Chris, I just thought to myself, okay, you know, meat and potatoes, Midwestern football, small college football. Got to run the ball. Got to run the ball. And you know what it was with him? His coach at Mount Union always would say, it's about the players. It's about the players. It's about the players. You sculpt your offense or your defense to what your players can do best. And that is what he learned. And that is what he has done here. He's, oh. not, he's not married to any one system. If he's he got didn't a, get hired in this offense. He yes, didn't get hired because right. of this. Right, that's right. right. And, and so if he has a quarterback who's going to run for 1,000 yards, okay, we're going to take advantage of him. Right. He told me that his coach, Larry Karras, went to a game in Indianapolis when he was the offensive coordinator of the Colts, and he goes, let me see your play sheet for the game. He shows. He goes, where are the plays for number 13? T.Y. Hilton, yeah. their best receiver. Right. This was like three years ago. And he, and he says, hey, Coach, here, here they are. Here's the whatever, 10 plays, whatever they were. And he goes, good. Remember, players, players, players. Handed them back to play sheet. Yeah. So I, 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 I learned a lot. I, I don't know 
Nick Sirianni, right, you know. Right. But I learned a lot about him, and it was really he was an impressive, impressive guy that morning. Why is it so hard for coaches to accept this notion that you do what your players do well, you don't do what they don't do well? Yeah. Sean Payton talked about that at length yesterday regarding his strategy for getting the most out of Russell Wilson. Why does it feel like that's the exception? Is it the ego of the coach that's so tied to his well, system that he refuses to bust that mold? Can I just give you one thought about that? I. I talked to Luke Getze at length about midseason this year because I wanted to know, you know, it strikes me that you're probably not doing on offense what you would really want to do with a quarterback who's running it 12 times a game. Right. You, you, don't you want a more sedentary, you know, set pass offense and all that? And he goes, no. He goes, at the beginning of the year, I told these guys, we are going to run an offense that is designed to take advantage of everybody's best skills. And he goes, I'm not telling, uh, you know, Justin Fields not to run. I'm not saying stay in the pocket, be like Aaron Rodgers. He's not like Aaron Rodgers. That really impressed me about Luke Getze. Well, I, I, I got two cents about that. You know, one, I think some of these coaches are not capable of changing their offense. Like, they don't, they're, they don't know. They don't know enough offense outside the realm they've been taught to go, wait, let me go into, you know, another offensive philosophy, right? There's, there's, it's just, it's, it's a... Comfort level. It's a comfort level. I think that, and then I think as we've talked about before, too, offensive coaches are conservative. NFL coaches are conservative by nature, yeah, right? Yeah. There's very few of them that just have the, let's say, the, the guts... <laughs> You know, like Andy Reid or a, or a Shanahan will just go, I've never really done this play, but I think this is going to screw them over this week. Like that weird play that the Chiefs exactly. ran, the whatever snow it globe. was. Snow yeah, globe, yeah, right? snow globe, They don't play. have the guts to do that. I, I've been around other coaches where you go, hey, wait, coach, hey, I want to put this play in. We used to run this here, and, man, it's a great play. It always works. And they would be like, oh, I don't know. You know, we're going to have to practice it for a few weeks, and can you show me, like, 50 examples of it on film? so I can learn how, and it's just like, coach, it's like read the post to the corner to the guy in the flat. It's not that hard, coach. It'll work, but they don't want to break out of their mold. They're it's scared, like when Doug Peterson When Doug Peterson installed Philly Special, you know, late in that, in that season yeah, or right. in the playoffs, he, he, the one thing he said to me after the game is he said the players would have really been angry if we didn't run the play. Yeah. You know, because they, they love that play. Sure, you know? sure. But that's yeah. about culture it's about camaraderie it's about empowering the players allowing them to feel like they're part of it and you never know where a good idea is going to come from why would you shut out your locker right that, yeah. and that's the the sense i get with the chiefs there's this very open dialogue between the coaching staff and the players as to what may work and maybe it works maybe it doesn't maybe they use it maybe they don't but they're willing to take anything that may fall into that bucket and oh and oh by the way they're in the Super Bowl because of it that is really one of the reasons why I think that if you gave Nick Sirianni truth serum and you asked him be totally honest with me Okay, how do you feel about Andy Reid picking David Culley over you for the wide receiver job in 2013 right. in Kansas City? Right. Because that's what it was. Yeah. He hired David Culley to coach his receivers instead of keeping the brightest young coach. Who was a quality on, control at the time, right? No, no, no. He, he was been, the receiver he, One year, okay. wide receiver coach. Okay, right. okay Romeo Crennel, right. that was his year. Gotcha. That was the totally disastrous year with the, the, the tragedy in the parking lot late in the season. But, but, but 
And, and I think he would say, honestly, that, okay, Andy Reid didn't know me from Adam. He right. understands. He's not mad at Andy Reid, okay? But I do think that one of the things he would say, if you gave him truth serum, is that, hey, the one thing I think I might have been able to help him a little with, he certainly could have helped me with, is imagination. Because... Nick Sirianni's got a good football imagination. Oh, definitely. And, and Andy Reid is, is great at it. Yeah. So, so that's why I think it's unfortunate that he didn't get to coach on Reid's staff. It really is. Because then, who knows what might have happened. Would Doug Peterson have gotten the Eagles coaching job, you know, off the Kansas City staff? Or maybe, and it probably would have been Doug. But, I mean. Matt Nagy? I mean, it could yeah, have been Matt Nagy, but I, I'll things, tell you right. this. I think Andy Reid would have soon kind of fallen in love. I was asking Scott Pioli. He goes, he was just an unbelievable coach. You could tell it from the first year. Yeah. It's just it's tough, right? Yeah. When you're uh, Andy Reid, you're going to he a new place. You want him. your people. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. You want Did, your people, you know, to start off. You want things to start off on a good foot, right, that way. And then, then uh, so I don't understand. That's part of the business. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know Nick Sirianna wanted to stay there, right? His wife is from Kansas yeah. City. He met her there. She's a school teacher. They lived right. in the same apartment so complex. It's personal, but it's not yeah. personable, I think, yeah. is what we're saying Did here. you ask Nick Sirianna if it's a must-win game? No. Okay. Um, let's talk about Andy Reid. <laughs> what, what is this? Ah, oh, there's the Vulcan death grip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got him. Try doing that to Peter. Peter will slap you upside your head. <laughs> I don't want to do it to um, Peter. <laughs> Andy Reid's legacy. He's already he's 24 straight years coaching, Super Bowl win, multiple Super Bowl appearances, clearly a Hall of Famer. But what does getting to number two mean for him in the pantheon of all-time great coaches? What do you mean getting to number two? If he wins a second, second Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Oh, 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 I see. Not, not anything that would be right. a traditional use of number two. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess, I don't think it would really change a lot of opinions about Reed, but I will say this, because I think as we get closer to the game, I don't know whatever the line is, two points or whatever it is, but it doesn't feel like... Uh, whatever, one-and-a-half or two-point game. You know, it feels like maybe a five- or six-point game for the reasons that we've been talking about. I, I agree. Right. You know, and, and so I think if he figures out a way to win this game, I think it is going to say incredible things about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and possibly about Steve Spagnolo. Yes. Because if Spagnolo figures a way to penetrate the iron curtain of that offensive front of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to be writing some very complimentary things about him. Now he would have beaten, figured out a way inside the 18-0 Patriots and inside of maybe the best offensive line in recent NFL history. I mean, to me, it takes him to another stratosphere. I I will say, I mean, I think the fact where you go, Wait, a second Super Bowl win, fifth Super Bowl appearance, three out of the last four year. Like, I think you go from Hall of Famer, which we all agree is where he's at already, to like, now you're kind of in like, I don't, I don't know, for me, I'm just going to throw out some like Don Shula, Tom Landryville. Yeah. I, I feel like you go you know, into and that don't group, forget, right? And don't forget. Am I crazy to say that? No. no. All right. Don't forget. He was on two Super Bowl teams in Green Bay. Yeah, right. Sure. You know, and so even though he was whatever the tight end coach. Right. But I do think the one thing about Andy Reid that, look, 
I remember asking somebody very close to Andy Reid, this was three or four years ago, how much longer for him? And this person said two, maybe three years. And then I asked Andy about it more recently, and he yeah, goes, "No way! Why would why would I leave? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about yesterday. Why? Why? why yeah, you got this guy a quarterback. You're not yeah. leaving anytime soon. It's as yeah. good as it's going to get. But but you know, obviously, there are those in the outside world that would say, "Hey, go home and sort of take care of your family with all the different family things he's had to deal with." But I think Andy Reid has always sort of. Um, whether you agree with it, whether you don't agree with it, he has always basically been able to put a dividing line in his life between his private life and his public life, and or, or his football life. And I do think that he's going to coach until probably physically he's not able to coach anymore. One yeah. thing Chris detected when he was out there is no stress whatsoever. Right. None of that agitation hurry up the interview i yeah. gotta go do this i gotta do that very oh, calm you know, embraces like, everything right and, can i tell you and you just keep going let There's me no just, reason to stop let yeah. me tell you a story from that time uh before the 49ers super bowl when he uh when i rode to work with him right here was the really interesting thing i was staying at the intercontinental hotel which was in his neighborhood in kansas city and uh i i said to him what time and he goes 3.15. I said, holy crap, 3.15? And so I got down to the lobby of the hotel at 3.10, and there was a uh, an SUV in the uh, driveway of the hotel. And I said, I should just check. And I went out there. I said, how long you been here? He said, I got here at 3.07. And I said, what the hell? Is this good for you? And he goes, I always wake up and have to go to the bathroom and then usually it's pretty hard for me to go back to sleep and so i just figure okay i'm gonna work until i get tired and then you know whatever so but that day that was the longest one of these i've ever had that day we were together for an hour and 15 minutes and i went into his office with him afterwards and the point is that he basically has so much trust at the time, okay? It was he had so much trust in his staff, so much trust in enemy and Kafka at the time. And I forget if Nagy was there then. I don't think he was. No, he was I think gone. he was gone. Right. Um, but he has so much trust in his staff that they're in their little cocoons too, right. getting ready for the day and doing the little projects that he has set up for them. So... He trusts the people who work for him. Now, he's going to make the final calls, but he trusts the people who work for him. And, Chris, you're exactly right. He's not really in any hurry if he's doing something that he wants to do. Right? It doesn't yeah. seem that way. Because he'll find yeah. a way to get everything else right. done. Right. You know? Well, let's, let me ask you, like Sirianni, you get that same sense yeah. with him, right? As a matter of fact, he yeah. said to me, right. he said, you got everything you need? And I said... You know, Nick, I'm respectfully your time. I, I said, ride to work. We've been sitting here for 10 minutes. Y- you need to go to work. And he goes, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah. And, you know, we took a couple more minutes. And then at the end of it, he said to me, hey, let me drive you to where you're getting picked up. 
And I said, no, 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 just go to work. And then I got out of the car, and I had maybe a 500-yard walk to where my car was. And I said, holy crap, I wish I said yes to him because <laughs> it was effing cold outside. You know? <laughs> Which quarterback injury are you more concerned about, Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts going into this one? I'd be more concerned with Hurts because I just don't think he is going to be able to throw the ball exactly the way he wants to. He's not going to let it really bother him. You saw that in his second play in the game against the Giants where he threw the ball 44 yards in the air, the 40-yard completion to Devontae Smith. But I just think we haven't seen enough of those type of plays to tell me that, oh, he's okay and he's going to be fine. It's, to me, one of the underlying factors of the game is that the shoulder, like the things we kind of hit on yesterday, hasn't played a lot. They haven't had to play under pressure for so long. It would concern me if I'm an Eagles fan or a part of that organization a little bit. And I think, you know, to what you're saying, Peter, a little bit, early on it looked okay. He took a few hits, and I felt as the game went on he seemed more uncomfortable and I felt like I saw more winces on his face. I really feel like the play where Hufunga got in trouble uh, hitting him late out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that could have been a play that re-aggravated that right shoulder a little bit. But the, to, 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 to jump off of you there, it wasn't the same Jalen Hurts all the way. Right. You know, it wasn't. I, some of the intermediate throws, there's definitely a little bit more of a wobble on the throw. And to me, just on you know film base, like the ball didn't seem to pop out of his hand quite the same way it had. So, don't you feel I'm, like I'm in, interested to see how he don't looks? Don't you too. feel like it will be totally unsurprising? If six days after the Super Bowl, they get a minor surgery a, or you something, see a, a press release coming out of the Eagles yeah. that Jalen Hurts yep. is going to have a cleanup procedure yeah. on his shoulder, I, I would not be shocked. Just like Mahomes two years ago right. with yeah. the toe, with right. his three toe, days yeah. later he had surgery on that turf toe. Yeah. And you know the other thing I see when I look at these two guys, the Chiefs have necessarily been transparent about Mahomes' ankle, and they didn't play any games leading up to the AFC Championship. He was able to play, and he was limited, and we know what he's going to be. Now he's had two weeks to heal. He may be even better. But with Hurts, there's just been a sense of nobody really knows what's going on there. With Mahomes, we know. With Hurts, we don't. So I'm more concerned about Hurts because I don't know what we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Can I raise one thing that is 130 degrees different right now? But I don't want to get out of here before I give you a chance, Mike, because this is something you love talking about the issues of professional football. Here we go. No, seriously. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were setting me up. No, I'm not. I wrote 1,500 words in my column on Monday about the series in the Kansas City-Cincinnati game that Ron Torbert and his crew absolutely messed up. Right. They butchered that series. Right. Now, I got... I've gotten a ton of emails from people. Oh, you know, the the Chiefs are the better team. They would have won. This is not about that. Yeah. It's not about who should win, who wasn't going to win, anything like that. It is about the fact they made five mistakes in one series. They forced the Cincinnati Bengals on defense to play four more snaps than they should have. They forced the coach of the Bengals, Zach Taylor, to take a timeout at yeah. one point during this. They were just simply disorganized. And Mike, I want to ask you, does that say anything larger about 
the uh, the art of officiating, the profession of officiating in the NFL today. Well, it just underscores the fact that the NFL needs to devote more time and more resources to creating the impression they're doing everything possible to get it right. There is a limit to how accurate the calls are ever going to be. You're never going to be 100%, but you can create the impression you're doing everything right. And you've identified a tangible era, area where... You can expect more. And if they are full-time, they run through these examples. They know it's second nature. I like your take on the idea that sometimes maybe they think there's safety nets out there. Yes. There's too many safety nets. That's and correct. the problem is the safety nets didn't activate. Yes. They didn't activate. Nobody said to Ron Torbert, oh, wait, wait, no, the clock should not start on your signal, just the play clock. That was one of the mistakes. It was mistake number two in the right. chain of events. Right. But Everybody needs to be more dialed in. The officials need to be more aware. The backup needs to be aware. The backup to the backup needs to be aware. But that was just a strange series of everything fell apart. And, and that's, that's something where the NFL needs to embrace it, not shrug at it, and say, how do we take this example and keep it from happening again? I'm not, I don't necessarily believe that full-time officials would improve officiating very much. Certainly wouldn't make it worse. Perception. But I have it a hard is, time thinking they wouldn't get that rule right. If you're in it all year long, yeah. right away, you're going, wait, we, the clock keeps going there, guys. Come on. This is, this is month 11 of this. Yeah. That's where I, I feel like little nuances like yeah. that. It, it's, it's entirely possible. But I have now become convinced that you do need to make the officials full-time in part because of the perception, but also in part and you know, Mike, I've heard this for a long time. Officiating is a collection of a thousand little things. Yes. And the little things that were messed up in that one, from the replay official up top not calling into Ron Torbert's ear, hey, wait a second, wait a second, the last play was an incompletion. The game clock doesn't start, uh, you know, when I blow my whistle, just the play clock. Because it's coming after an incompletion. And he should have corrected it right there. So the replay official didn't help him. Walt Anderson in New York didn't help him. And, by the way, the other thing I learned since I wrote this, you know that there's an alternate referee at this game. And I forget who it was. I was told who it was, and I just forget. But the alternate referee has the ability to talk to him. So, like, and this is why, to me, when I start hearing, oh, you gotta, we got to have a sky judge, got to have a sky judge. I mean, how many more safety nets do you want for the guy? You know, you've got the replay official upstairs. You've got the officiating command center in New York. I suppose it wouldn't hurt to have the sky judge, but come on, do your effing job. Well, and I look at it this way. We have people talking to us all the time. If I was going to throw it a break and say, coming up next... Dallas tight end Dalton Schultz, somebody would say, no, 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 it's Mark Andrews. I mean, yeah, they do yeah, it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, right, People yeah, who right. are in a position to help yeah. are in a position to help, and they do it. I had an epiphany on full-time <clears throat> officials, and I was already convinced of it, but you were telling a story on a Friday edition of the show, and you were remembering the time that you were embedded with Gene Steratore's crew, yeah. and you mentioned, we didn't talk about it at the time because you were still in the middle of your story, and we didn't circle back to it, your anecdote about Dino Paganelli. Yeah. And how he's working, and he's putting his kids to bed, and he's trying to carve out... He's a single dad. Yeah, he's trying to carve out an hour on a Wednesday night between yeah. 10 and 11 o'clock when he just passes out from exhaustion yeah. to review film. If you're a full-time employee, yeah. you don't have to just You're not in. at school that exactly. day. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. what you do all the time. It's exactly. the full focus of your professional pursuits 12 yeah. months out of the year. They don't want to pay for that. I th I'm 
We know. We know they can be a little, but they you know, be a little I'm cheap. I'm not sure. Mike, they don't want to pay. Mike, let me just ask you this. The highest paid officials, the most veteran officials, the referees, make high 200s to 300s, somewhere in, in that Plus range. Plus whatever they make somewhere else. That's what you've got to buy out, well, whatever they're making somewhere else. But, but, but I think most of those guys, and I asked a couple of the guys who've come over to the media side, I've asked them, how many officials would leave the business if they couldn't do their full-time job? Who's making so much money at the thing? And they all said that they didn't, they thought, one of them said they thought it would be less than 10. Another said they thought it would be around 10. There's 117 officials. If you lose 10, eh, big deal. Yeah. So I, I think that it, Probably is a good idea, but the one thing that I just dread is it. Let's say they do it in 2024, okay? Then in 2024 season, everybody's going to say, Oh my God, the officiating still stinks. How in the world? You got full time officials. How can they be making these mistakes? Because it's hard to officiate a football game. That's why. But at least if we have full time officials, those of us who comment on the mistakes will no longer be able to say, well, if they were full-time officials, they wouldn't have made that mistake. Yeah, so it be yeah. another reason for it. And I still think it will improve. It's never going to be 100%, yeah, but right, it will improve. Right. I agree, too. I would think it would improve, too. Wait, I want to ask you one more question about yeah. the Super Bowl and Sirianni. Yeah. Does he understand, like, I mean, Mahomes, first off, I, I, don't, I still don't think we're being made a big enough deal about Mahomes. It's, it's to me... I, I don't get it. It's five years as a starter, and it's the AFC Championship game every year. It's the it's third Super Bowl, and it's the third Super Bowl in four years. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of like he's made us so numb and he's so great that we're all kind of just like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs are back. Big deal. Right. But does, like, is Sirianni, like, what did Sirianni, did he say anything about Mahomes? Like, he just said how much he respects Mahomes yeah. and Reed right. a lot. And we didn't talk about Mahomes too much specifically, but you could just tell. They're spending a lot of time yeah, trying to him. figure out what they're going to do. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon is a huge, yeah. huge factor in this game. We're talking all about Spagnolo and understandably so. Yeah. Jonathan Gannon has got to figure out a way to frustrate, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Right. And it's not going to be easy because everybody, every defensive coordinator going into a game, it goes to bed, you know, the, the week before the game. How am I going to frustrate Mahomes? How am I going to get to him? You have a great plan, and it's a great plan until Patrick Mahomes punches you in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've got two head coaching vacancies still, the Colts and the Cardinals. And someone that I know suggested the other day that maybe they're both waiting to see what happens in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, to the extent that the Super Bowl five years ago got Frank Reich the Colts job yeah. after Josh McDaniels left them at the altar. I wonder if, like, a great defensive performance by the Eagles would get Gannon into the mix for either or both of these jobs. Or a great defensive performance by the Chiefs elevates Spagnolo, who yeah. never gets mentioned. He had that flame out with the Rams. Yeah. But, you know, we know how the formula goes. You go back to being a coordinator, you do really well, and maybe somebody gives you a chance to be a head coach again. I can't help but wonder whether, you know, if we see a great defensive performance as part of a victory, one of those two defensive coordinators comes out of nowhere as the favorite for one of those two jobs. I would just say that um, I, the, the Cardinals vacancy, um, I'm not sure I would take the Cardinals job. 
The Cardinals' job really worries me. You have a quarterback who you have no idea, you know, is he a worker bee? Apparently not. Uh, is he going to be able to run a normal offense when we need to run a normal offense? Yeah, I don't know. Questionable, sure. I mean, you know, I, I, and, and, you know, look, look at all the people who have just sort of fallen off their list. Now, I guess it's possible that Brian Flores basically was told, hey, dude, you're not getting the job. Take the Minnesota defensive coordinator. Maybe. I, I, probably there was some of that or some hint of that. But, but just tell me this. You know, I, I, who – Louie Anarumo was not even interviewed or even a thought of the Cardinals until after they lost to the, the – uh, uh, or, or maybe until Saturday of that weekend. It was when they beat the. I feel like when they built the Bills, we started to hear Lou with the Cardinals, yeah. right? No, no, because I talked to Lou on on Friday afternoon, before the Kansas City game. He had still not heard from one team, at all, in the coaching search. And he goes, "You got me. Ask my agent. Ask Bob Lamont. I I, I, just, I don't know. I can't tell you. So at the earliest, like Saturday, Sunday, or Monday is when he even heard from them. So, I mean, I don't know. Doesn't it feel like they are absolutely grasping at straws with the Cardinals? Which which makes me think that they could try to make a run at one of these two yeah, defensive coordinators. Or any of the game. coordinators, anybody. At this yep. point, anybody who wants this job. And at some point... Michael Bidwell is going to have to throw more money on the table to get somebody to take the job because That's it feels like people are going elsewhere. When you have yeah. a guy take a defensive coordinator job instead of waiting to see if he gets a head coaching job, that's a red flag to me, unless he yeah. knew unless unequivocally he, knew. he wasn't getting it. Yeah. I think the other job is interesting because, you know, you keep hearing now that I kind of think Chris Ballard is going to be successful in dissuading Jim Irsay from hiring Jeff Saturday. I think he needs to use all powers of suggestion and even stronger powers than that because I just think I hope so. It would be it would it would just not only be a bad look but what what possibly would tell you that that's a good decision. I think we all know Jeff Saturday, we all really like Jeff Saturday. But tell me what he has done in his 2 months as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts to be the full-time coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I just think it would be ridiculous, personally. But I think I like their process because, you know, Mike, you know how they feel? I can tell you how they feel right now. What's the rush? It's almost like it was in the Josh McDaniels thing. We're the only people out there. And I do think that they know, they have to know, that nobody uh, with with a good choice is going to take the uh, Arizona job over, over us. Theirs. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, so anyway, I that's just my gut feeling, but I would not be surprised. Shane Steichen or, um, you know, or Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know Eric Bieniemy's still and, in play in Indy, too, oh, even though he didn't have a second no, interview. Why, yeah, and why you know, would he not be? I, I would say this about Bieniemy. This is the one thing that I heard with Bieniemy in Indianapolis, whether it's reliable or not, that it must have gotten to be enemy over the years that he quote hadn't interviewed well because i heard he had a fantastic interview in indianapolis and i really think that the one thing that has hurt him which is not true from what i have seen inside 
the offensive layer of the Colts, Andy Reid takes a lot of what the enemy comes up with. And just like he did with Kafka, just like he does with Nagy, he's an equal opportunity offensive guy. So I, I, think, I, would, I think he's got a chance. I think he's got a chance. He made an, quietly made an agent change, too. And my understanding is that one of the top, top orders of business was <coughs> address the concerns, rectify the issues, improve the interview, do what we have to do to position this guy to finally get a head coaching job. So he is still in play. Peter, we got to take a break. Okay. It was awesome. We appreciate you coming up. Thank you. Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz. No. I was waiting for somebody to say, here we go. Baltimore Mark tight end. Mark Ravens Andrews. Tight end. I was testing the system. Ravens tight end Mark Andrews. There's a look at a rock that I'll try to climb later on. We'll be back right after this. You'll break a hip. You're old. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Are the shotgun. What's the throw? Blitz pressure coming. Jackson lobs for the end zone. He's looking for Andrews. Reaches up. He makes the catch. Touchdown, Mark Andrews. There he is, and here he is. Beast him. Getting it done. Mark Andrews, Ravens tight end, here with us on PFT Live. Mark, welcome. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, come on, man. We're, I mean, you went to Oklahoma, but we won't hold that against you, okay? All right? As a Texas alum here. But, uh, no, we got mad respect for yes, your sir. game, man. We, we, we talk about you a lot. Thank you, guys. And, and I said before we started, brilliant to do this Tuesday. You get your pick of the shows. For some reason, he picked this one. But you get you get the place to yourself. You know the players don't really start showing up until tomorrow. So smart business move to get here today and uh, great hoodie with the Rock and Protein, yes, which is uh, the company that has brought you here with us today. Yes, sir. So, yeah, so I'm a Rock and Protein is, is my go-to protein drink. Um, this is an incredible partnership for me. It's super organic. So growing up in high school, there Shamrock Farms is, is locally sourced in Arizona. Right. And um, so I've been having this since I was in high school and. Um, you know that chalky, you know, taste of protein drinks? This one doesn't got it? This is not that. Okay. It's incredibly smooth, incredibly tasty. Um, yeah, and it's just great high-source protein that um, they're an incredible company that do, they do a great job. I've seen it around town, actually. It yeah. was like, oh, I've never heard of Shamrock or seen it. It's in my hotel, actually. They, they're selling this. I'm, I'm about, can I drink this? Yes, you can. I'm needed. No I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Boom. Yep. So you can get them nationwide in any convenience store. Well, there we go. You've earned your paycheck for the day. Now we can talk 
about football. We got the Rock and Protein plug in. Um, how you, how's your body feel after getting through a season? You had some dings this year, and that's natural. It's part of playing football. But how do you usually feel this time of year? Uh, pretty good. You know, I, I think this year I, I came out pretty healthy, and um, that was a blessing. There was you know, a time you know, during the year where I was, I was hurting a little bit, and, but I, I started to feel better towards the end of the year and started to get my groove going a little bit. And so, um, but I feel good right now. I'm excited for, to be able to train this offseason. Um, be incredibly focused and diligent about um, the things I need to get better, better at and, and, and attack that. Right. And then drink your protein shake to make sure it happens. That's to right. get that recovery, yes, right? Sir. Uh, like, all right, so let's start like, you know, with, with Greg Roman, that conversation there. Were you kind of surprised that that, that happened uh, as far as been under the spotlight, been under scrutiny? You guys have done some good things, but... You know, where, where do you kind of see this offense going without Greg? Yeah, you know, I got a ton of respect for, for Giro, and um, he was actually my tight end coach when I was when I was a rookie, so I learned a ton, ton from him. And, right. Um, he's an incredibly smart uh, individual and uh, incredibly gifted, you know, just as an offensive mind. So I think uh, wherever he goes, whatever he does, he's going to be uh, he's going to be very very well off, and um, I'm, I'm excited to see where we're going to go. You know, I don't know you know, who they're going to choose or what they're doing, but I know they're doing their due diligence to um, put, you know, the players that they have, you know, which a lot of good ones, to the best position. Well, I know that. Yeah, so what do you think? What do you think you guys need a little bit? I'm with you. I got great respect for Greg Roman, yeah. right? There was always the talk about, hey, the run game is great, but, hey, we need more in the pass game, right, Mike, and all that. You know, so you know, what, what do you think is that next phase of the offense that need to maybe push the Ravens over the hump a little bit? Um, I just there's so many different offenses that you could choose from. I know. I just think that you know this is such a pass happy league nowadays that um, if you're not doing it, you're you're almost falling behind. So I think there's going to be just some a little more just, in that department. There's going to be some sort of that, yeah. And, right. And uh, you know we've had that, but um, you know I think that whoever you know we choose is you know obviously the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball. And we know that you guys aren't going to stop doing be, that. Yeah, All those gonna, big dudes you got up there, hundred percent. Right. We got J.K. Dobbins, Gus, you know Gus Edwards, um, and all our all our big guys in the O line. So we're going to be able to run the ball, but um, we got we got to be able to pass the ball at a high rate. A little rate. more slanted yeah, to the pass game. That's a dangerous team when we start doing that. Yeah, right. Mark, what do you make of the talk that we hear from time to time that veteran receivers don't want to be part of that offense? And it's been blamed on Lamar Jackson at times. It's been blamed on Greg Romans at, at, at times. It's the identity. It's the run heavy offense. I guess from your perspective, hey, more more targets for me if we don't have yeah. a bunch of great receivers. But what do you make of that when you hear that? Um, I think we got to change that narrative. I think that um, you know. Baltimore and the Ravens should be a spot that guys want to go. It should be a destination, and um, we're going to make it that. Well, tell people about Lamar and, like, his talent throwing the football yeah. a little bit. Like, he still gets, like, put in a box of he's a running quarterback, and yeah. I'm an ex-quarterback. He's got arm talent. He's got arm talent, man. He can sling the heck out of the rock. Right? He, he puts it where it needs to be. You know, some of the best balls I've ever caught in my life have been from Lamar. Just incredible throws. Some of them off the back of his foot, you know, getting pressure. And, and he's a guy that always keeps the play alive, so you can always you always got to be ready. And um, he's such a, an insane talent. Obviously, he's incredibly talented with his feet, but um, to me, his arm is, is what makes him really special. Yeah. How hard was it to play without him down the stretch again this season? Uh, it was tough. You know, obviously, Lamar's my guy, and, um, you know, not having, you know, one of your leaders, you know, with you is, is tough. But, um, you know, look at Tyler Huntley. He was just in the Pro Bowl. And, and it's crazy. He, and he can sling the heck out of the ball, too. Yeah. You know, so we're very, we're very blessed with, with two great quarterbacks like that. And, um, you know, I think he did an incredible job. I just think it's um, different scenario. Maybe would have been better off. Well, tell, tell us, like, what is the, the, you know, the Lamar effect a little bit, right? You know, we hear uh, opposite teams gush about him. But, like, when you're out on the football field, like, do, you know, Tyler Hunley, great respect for him. Mm -hmm. But he's not Lamar Jackson. Like, 
tell us, Lamar, as far as just that extra element he brings on the field and then maybe even just some of, like, what's his leadership style a little bit? Yeah, I mean, whenever you have Lamar on the field, the defense is so worried about number eight. That's right? You so know, you do you sense that when you're out there? Oh, for sure. Right. You know, everything that they're doing, all the game planning things are all about Lamar Jackson, you know, how they can stop that guy because he's so special. And right. So, um, as an offensive player, that, that, that takes a little bit of pressure off of you. Yeah. You know, more eyes are on that guy, so you get to, you know, find a little more spots here or there. So, um, just when you have a, a talent like that on the field, it, it just makes your job easy. Yeah. Okay, elephant in the room. We know about Lamar's contract situation. Yeah. He's due to become a free agent. Some decisions need to be made by him, by the team, et cetera. Through all of this, and extended into the regular season, and there was talk near the end of the season about why he wasn't playing is because of the contract. How much do you pay attention to that? How much is your phone blowing up with texts from your teammates about what's going on and is Lamar going to be here? Yeah, you know, I don't really you know pay too much attention to, to any of that because um, you know anytime you're you're in a position like Lamar is, you know Heisman Trophy winner. There's so many, you know you know his whole career. There's going to be so much pressure. There's going to be so many people that talk about him, put out different narratives, and you know to me it's just like let Lamar be Lamar. You know let him be a person. You don't. No one really knows what he's going through, right? No one. You know no one knows how he feels. So um, I do know that he's incredibly you know incredibly you know a fierce competitor. And that, you know, he loves playing football. He loves winning games. He hates losing. And so I know that if he could have been out there, he would have been. So, um, yeah. Is it take over the conversations in the locker room a little bit, though? Like to the point, I mean, I, you know, I'm a fan. Like when I was on the Bucks Super Bowl team and we had stuff going on, and we were talking about it in the locker room. Like, you know, we had the drama with Keyshawn, right? Or, you know, in the locker room, it's right. it's Wednesday morning before you go into the team meeting, and everybody, hey, what's going on with Keyshawn? What's, you yeah. know, does, does that conversation come up a lot? Oh, man, you know, you may, some guys may be like, you know, what's going on? Yeah. But, uh, like I said, at the end of the day, um, we were, it, it was it was tough not having him out there, but we were also blessed with, um, with yeah. Tyler Huntley. Yeah. But, but when Mark Andrews' head hits the pillow at night, do you consider, as you're laying there trying to fall asleep, holy shit. I may not have Lamar Jackson as my quarterback next year. Has that entered your brain? No, no. I think I think Lamar. Why a, hasn't it entered your brain? I think Lamar's a Raven for life. I know that. I know that the organization. I know they want Lamar, and I know that um, you know he he has a lot of respect for the organization as well. So I think both parties want to get this deal done. It's just about it's just about doing it. Yeah. Do you ever though consider like? Is there something I could do to help break? Like everybody wants to be together here. What can I do? Can Shoot. I clunk heads together and get this done? You're I'll a big guy. You could do it. What could you do? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. There's enough money to go around. Right. And uh, Steve Riscotti, he's got plenty of money. Don't you don't have to give him yours. All we'll right? take your Don't paycheck. Do you don't need don't to give do it a little more. Don't do that. Um, all right, I, I do want to ask you about the Super Bowl a little bit. Yeah. I know you didn't get to play the Eagles this year. You know, the Chiefs, you've got a little history with them. Yep. Uh, you know, tell us about, like, Spags, the Chiefs' defense. You know, yeah. What's it like going against them? Yeah, uh, I think the last time I played against them was, like, two years ago. But um, just from what I remember, it's, it's going to be a physical defensive front. Um, they fly around. Their, their front is very vertical, vertical charge. Right. So that creates a lot of havoc yeah. uh, with an offense. But um, I also think the, the Chiefs' off, offensive line is, is very solid, yeah. very tough. Uh, one of my best friends is Orlando Brown. I know he's going to be ready to go. Fire no up. doubt. You got two Oklahoma guys on that old line. That's right. Yeah, yeah Creed Humphrey. Yeah, so right. That, that's going to be that's going to be a good line. It's going to be a good test for them. But um, I think it's going to be a physical game. Really good defense. Uh, you know, with the Eagles. You know, I have a lot of respect for Jalen Hurts and, and what they've done. And right. um, they kind of have that similar off- offense to, to the Baltimore Ravens. And 
they're doing a good job swinging around. Dallas Godert um, playing really good ball. Yeah, it's going to be a close game. Um, I You're think, leaning Chiefs, so I hear. I, I mean, I got I got a root for my boy Orlando. So okay, I, I, and I, th- I think Patrick Mahomes has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I hear that. Who's the best team that you guys saw all year? Oof, Here, I'll, I'll, I'll throw up the schedule for you just so you can see it. Yeah, just yeah. So you, just, um, you know, who was the team that you, you just popped to you? I think that you know you got to you got to give respect to um, you got to give respect to the Bengals yeah. and the Bills. You right. know those are two good teams, and um, obviously you know the Bengals had our number a little bit this year. So um, yeah, that's one game I'll be circling next year. Yeah, boy, in that Bengals game too, the playoff game, it just shows you how the one QB play sneak. changes everything. Yep. If that ball gets over the line, way to hustle, you guys. Though. Way to hustle, yeah, big guy. Yeah, I saw him, you. Man. Should have had him. And got pushed in the back, and they yeah. didn't call yeah, it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> right. One of those weird plays, but yeah, I man, I was just, I was like, just get him, just get him, just get him, give our defense a chance. And right. Just, just gonna... Were you, do you like, think, do you think there, there should have been a flag on that play? You think he got pushed in the back? I mean, I think there was definitely a little bit of push in the back. You know, again, like, that's such a weird play, being on the one yard line, they're, you know, they're running back, and. Uh, it's tough for, for a ref to call that. So I don't play Especially with. when All they're right. 30 yards behind the action because yeah, <laughs> they can't keep up right. with you guys. Yeah, but at least see the effort, man. I was, I was working trying to get it. I was trying to haul him yeah. down. Are you amazed by Travis Kelsey as I, a tight end, I, as a great tight end yourself? I am. Yeah. I am. I, th- I just think that, you know, yeah, what first, is it? First of all, the season that he's had this year is incredible. Right. But he's had these this type of season over and over and over and over again. And so um, you got to give your hat off to, to him and um, just the way that he approaches the game, approaches everything, and um, continues week after week just balling out and, and playing incredible football. It's um, it's so insane. I love watching him play, and, and again, I have a ton of respect for him. Yeah. Hey, before we let you go, because we haven't talked much about this at all, but more than 6 million people watched it on Sunday. You were there in Vegas for the flag football game. What yeah. was your take on the whole experience? I had fun, man. It was just fun to, to be out there and um, meet all these great players, get to pick their brain, you know, have some fun and hang out with family. But um, the game itself was a good time. We got to, you know, obviously um, play a little flag football, have some fun, make some plays, and, and just enjoy the moment. When you pick brains, what are you trying to find out? Um, you know, I, I, you just ask guys, you know, you know, you have me ask them your routine, just just different things like that. Everybody's got their own different vibe, different things that they do, and um, just the little things that they say. Do you have stuff that you do that you hold back? Um, no, I don't really hold back. You know, someone wants someone wants to know something, someone wants to pick my brain. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be open to that, and yeah. Who's the freakiest tight end in the game right now? Like, I know you're confident in your ability, so you'll talk about it. But, yeah, like, yeah. is there like a, just a freak, like, you're like, whoa, like, nobody knows about this guy, how good he is. I mean, Darren Waller is one that just jumped in my oh, mind, so, I was saying. Darren's such a freak. Right? He's athletically, he's just so gifted. Uh, he's, I mean, he's a tight end. He's playing gunner. Like, what? You know? <laughs> right, Come on, dog. Right. But, uh, you know, I think Isaiah Likely is another one, Oh, too. yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love Isaiah. He's yeah. got game. You guys are a good little tandem together. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Mark. Thank you, this stuff Rock is good. and Protein. It is good, right? it's, good. It. it's so I'm, good. I'm all in. Yeah, don't, don't, all right. offer, don't offer me a drink. See? I'm I not going to offer you a drink. Definitely not. But see, OU in Texas, we can get along. Look at this. All right. Back with more PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.